0: Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Uh, So before we get into today's message, um, I just wanted to one last piece of of news. Um, And that is, um, eight years ago, our board of council um, decided to institute for the the health and vitality and spiritual renewal of its pastoral staff um, a sabbatical for every seven years of ministry here. And uh, our board has been very gracious to extend that to me. So this summer, beginning uh, in a couple of weeks, July 4th, um, I will be taking an eight-week sabbatical. And um, I will not be here. Um, It will be my Independence Day. Um, No. Um, And I'm very, very grateful to our board for this opportunity. uh, Because in the pace of life that our society runs at these days, and and even just in the pastoral week-to-week uh, Responsibilities—it's—it's um, it's tough to get that time to just carve out time to pull back and and get alone with God. And uh, so the board has offered this opportunity, and um, so I will be taking that. It's a time of renewal. It's not an extended vacation. Okay, this isn't like you know eight weeks free vacation. Um, it's really focused uh, focused time. It's rest with a purpose, and it's a time to just wait on God. Um, to uh, seek his direction. Uh, I am so excited about where we are at as a church and the team that God has brought together now. Um, With some of the newest additions to our pastoral staff And um, as we head into the next season that God has for us um, We just want to be as prepared as possible So uh, beginning the month, July 4th um, Through the months of July and August I will not be here Um, But we have lined up some really great, great um, guest speakers And people coming in Uh, Bob Kilpatrick will be the first one And then following him, um, David Harris Who is with Thriving Churches International Um, He's also on the pastoral staff of Bayside Covenant Church Up in uh, Granite Bay Um, He will be with us. And then uh, Pastor Larry, who is always great, will be filling in. And then we also have uh, Pastor Wilbur Sagombe uh, from True Vine Team Ministries in Uganda. And he will be be with us later on this summer, too. So um, it's it's just a great opportunity for us as a church. And and by the way, this is something that an increasing number of churches have discovered. Um, It's not just good for the pastor. It's good for the church. And uh, it's a chance for all of us to grow. So what I'm going to ask is that you would just simply keep me in prayer over those uh, eight weeks that I am gone uh, for God's continued leadership and, uh, and direction for me uh, personally as, uh, as we set the direction for our church. Pray for our pastoral staff because they're going to be picking up extra load uh, around here during the summer. Pray for our church and our future as we move forward uh, into this fall, just really excited about uh, what God has for us. So uh, keep that all of, all of those things in prayer and, and support and encourage um, the staff as they are here filling in. And um, just, again, thank you for this opportunity. So with that... Um We're in the second week of a study that we began, uh, looking at the book of Jonah. So if you want to pull out your Bibles and turn to the book of Jonah, it's a little small book. It's only, um, he's considered one of the minor prophets, not because he wasn't important or what he did did wasn't important, but just because it's a small book. And so it's called Minor Prophets. And so um, if you get to the New Testament, you've gone too far, peel back a few pages. Um, It's toward the end of the Old Testament. And it's a story that I think everybody is pretty familiar with, um, at least on some level. And, and... And there's parts of the story that are pretty fantastic, especially as we get into chapter two, as we're doing this morning, because, you know, a lot of people just have this really hard time believing that a guy could be swallowed by a fish and kept alive for three days. And I understand that. And, and, and one of the things that I really want to uh, underscore here is that we want to be a church where people don't have to pretend to believe something they don't believe, okay? We want to be the kind of church that can be thoughtful and, and, and considerate and and digging and studying God's word together, and as we approach God's word, um, to do it in such a way. So if you find the story of the fish a little too hard to swallow, okay, Um, if you're not willing to just take it all hook, line, and sinker, um, you know, if you really can't take the bait, all right, Um, one more, one more, I don't want this to let you get hung up, okay, that's the end of all of that. So with that, we're going to get into the story. Um, We left off last week um, where Jonah's been tossed over at the side, um, and he's been swallowed by this fish. And so we pick it up in uh, actually this very end of chapter 1, the last verse, and then into chapter 2. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Now, by the way, that little word there, um, provided, some of your uh, translations might say appointed or, or commissioned, um, it's, it's an important word because it, what it says it's, it's the kind of word that would be used to describe A king who appoints an ambassador um, or, or a president who gives an assignment Okay So it's like God spoke to this fish And he said, hey fish The fish said, yes Lord He says, I got a job for you to do What is it Lord? Well, I want you to go There's going to be this guy He's going to be dropping in the water in about mm, 10 minutes And when he does um, I want you to swallow him Now this is very important Don't chew, just swallow Okay <laughs> So, God appoints this fish. So, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, and said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, to the water, to the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. Your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again upon your holy temple." The engulfing waters threatened me. The the deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord, my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto the dry land. This chapter 2 kind of takes a a rest from all the action and all the activity. And, And it's just a prayer. And it's a prayer of Jonah. And, and as Jonah ends up three days in the belly of this fish, he discovers some things that I think every runner needs to discover. Um, because we are all runners. We are all, it's in one way, shape, or form, we are running from God. And, and it might be your story this morning that, that you left church when you got out of high school and your parents couldn't make you go anymore and you said, I'm out of here, I've had enough of it, and you just left the church, you left God, you left it all behind. And, and you've been running from him ever since. And maybe the only reason you're here this morning is because, well, you're a dad and it's your fatherly obligation on Father's Day to go to church. And your kids dragged you off. Maybe that's your story. Maybe you, you consider yourself to be a follower of God. And yet there are areas of your life, like we talked about last week, where it's kind of like, okay, God, but hands off on this one. I'll follow you, I'll follow you, but in this area, I'm running. Don't talk to me about my relationships. Don't talk to me about forgiving somebody. Don't talk to me about my sex life. Don't talk to me about my money, whatever it might be. There might be an area of your life where you're still running from God. And eventually, eventually, you're going to get to the point where life is going to unravel because that's what happens for runners, and when you get to that point, you're about to make some incredible discoveries. It's the discoveries that Jonah made. And it's a discovery discoveries that all of us, I think, need to make. And they're wonderful, wonderful discoveries. And they're revealed in the prayer of Jonah here. And the first one is simply this. And it's a wonderful discovery that God always responds to the prayers of those who cry out to him. Always. God always responds to the prayers of those who cry out to him. Because of his running, Jonah now finds himself in a very tight spot, literally. <laughs> and, and, and it says from that point, this is what he does. He does what all of us do, by the way, when we reach those tight spots, when life, life starts to unravel, when we start to reap the results and the consequences of the decisions that we've made. We get to this point and we do what Jonah does. He prays. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. I bet he did. <laughs> I am sure he did. Because that's what we do. That's what we do. I mean, where else is he going to go? He's really got... There's not a whole lot you can do inside of a fish, you know? you just stuck there. And, and what's interesting is all of chapter 1, there's a lot of human activity. Okay, Jonah gets this call and, and, and instead he goes down to Joppa and he gets to Joppa and he pays his fare and he gets on this boat and he gets on the boat and the boat goes out to sea and he goes down into the bottom of the hole and, and he gets a place to sleep there and a storm comes up and there's all this activity and they cast lots and they bring him up on deck and they question him and then he finally says, well, just throw me overboard. And they throw him over. All kinds of activity. Chapter 2, there is no activity whatsoever. Just a prayer. All of chapter 1, there's tons of activity, but this man of God, this prophet of God, there is not one prayer of his in that whole chapter. When when they ask him, what should we do now to calm down this storm? He doesn't even pray about it. He just says, well, just throw me overboard. And now he's at a point where he's got nothing he can do. He has come to the end. And he prays. And what's amazing about it, What's amazing about it is that God answers. See, look at what he says. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. See, I think one of the greatest things that keeps us from prayer these days is our activity. We live at such a hurried pace of life. We all do this. And as much as we try to cut out the hurry in our lives, we still find ourselves rushing from place to place to place, saying yes to too many things and no to some of the wrong things that we should be saying yes to. And because of this pace of life, and, and, and we're, we're in worse shape than Joan ever was. But I think one of the great things that keeps us from times of prayer is just the activity that we fill our lives with. And Jonah finds himself in a place where he's got nothing he can do but pray. And he prays. See, God came to him, and we put it on the map last week. Um, God came to him with this call to go to the city of Nineveh, 550 miles or so northeast. And what he chooses is to go the opposite direction as far as he can go in the opposite direction. And now he finds himself in a place where he can go nowhere he's got no leverage he's got no bargaining power with god and and by the way that's isn't that what we always do too i mean isn't that what we do okay god if you will get me out of this mess then i will like we've got bargaining power with god when when i was coaching little league um, we had one kid first year i coached little league six-year-old seven-year-old kid i can't remember what grade it was um but he, he didn't get a hit all season, and his mom was just dying. I mean, she, would, she, would, she was just feeling so bad for a kid, and, and there was literally one game, and, and she knew I was a pastor, and, and so she was sitting in the bleachers, and um, she was sitting next to my wife, and she said, please, God, let him get a hit. If he gets a hit, I'll go to church tomorrow. <laughs> and he got a hit. <laughs> And my wife said, we're all witnesses. We expect to see you tomorrow morning, all right? right, nine 9.30 or 11 o'clock, it doesn't matter. We just expect to see you there. We think we got bargaining power with God. And the truth is, none of us do. Because it's not about our bargaining with God. It's His grace. And this is the thing that you discover. This story is all about God's grace. Sometimes we think grace is a New Testament concept. It is throughout the Old Testament. And here is Jonah, who's got no bargaining power. He's got no leverage. He's got no way to do anything about his situation. All he can do is pray. And God hears his prayer. So this morning, if you've been a runner, and you think you've run too far, or you think you have gotten yourself in the belly of a fish, and you are so confined in the situation, you've got nowhere else to go, Pray. If if you've been running from God for so long and you think there's no hope for you, pray anyway. If you are at the bottom of your, your, your rope, at the end of your rope, and it's all because of your own doing and you think there is no hope for you, pray anyway because God responds to the prayers. Always responds to the prayers of anyone who will call out to him. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. What is amazing about this is how God in his grace always, always responds to those prayers. Because see, as a pastor, I have sometimes people come to me for counsel, and they want advice, and, and they'll sit and they'll describe their situation, and, and we'll prayerfully go through the word of God, and I'll just say, you know, I'm... Um, here, here's what I think God's calling you to do. Here's, here's, here's what I would do. Here's what I believe God's answer is to that situation. And they'll walk out of that counseling situation and go and do what they were going to do anyway, regardless of my counsel. And then when it all blows up in their face and they come back to me because now they need help and now they need, now they need um, encouragement, now they need someone to kind of hold them and walk through them with this, it takes every bit of me as a pastor to bite my tongue and not say, I told you so. We sat down and talked about this three months ago and I told you where if you kept on that path, where that was going to lead and you didn't listen to me then, why would you be coming back to listen to me now? It takes everything within me to say, not say that thing. Here's some good news this morning. God is not like me. (laughs) That's not new news, but it's good news. He's not like me. Because he doesn't do the, I told you so. See, this is an incredible story about God's grace. He always responds to those who will cry out to him. So wherever you're at and wherever you've been, by all means, cry out to him. Second discovery Jonah makes is that very often God is at work in the circumstances that bring us to the point that force us to stop our running. God is often in the circumstances to force us to stop running. He writes these words in his prayer. You hurled me into the deep, to the very heart of the seas. The current swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. You hurled me into the deep. Now, wait a minute. Time out, time out, time out. Wait a minute, Jonah. God didn't do that. That was those sailors that did that. They're the ones who hurled you over the side. And by the way, it was your idea. God didn't do that. But see, what Jonah discovers is what most of us discover, usually in hindsight, when we look back, that God was at work in those circumstances to get me to stop my running. And it wasn't comfortable, and I sure didn't like it at the time. But I look back, and in retrospect, I see, you know what? God had never given up on me, even if I had given up on him. And even if my running was leading me in a path far away from him, he was still pursuing me. And very often that hitting bottom, that life unraveling, that chaos that I brought upon myself, God was in that because he's pursuing us. And too often it takes a storm to get our attention. And the frustration that you might be feeling right now as a result of your running, God has brought into your life or the people that are coming around you and warning you about the direction you are taking with your life, that is God speaking through them. Because very often what you discover, and usually, like I said, not until hindsight, but you discover God is at work in all of those circumstances because he's not giving up on you. Jonah discovered what David had discovered centuries before when he wrote in Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Now, if you read Psalm 139, it's very interesting because as as David writes that Psalm, it is both comforting and terrifying at the same time (laughs) because he knows what it's like to be a runner. That in some senses, it's comforting to know that no matter where I go or no matter how far I run, God's still going to be there. But that is also terrifying because it means I can never get away from him. And as much as I would like to say, okay, God, don't look at me right now because what I'm doing, I don't want you to see. He's still there. He's still there. And he is at work in the circumstances very often the very circumstances that makes us make us stop our running because here's the thing about running no matter how far you run you always take yourself with you (laughs) and the problem is not the circumstances the problem is you the problem is me and wherever I run, and, and I keep thinking, well, if I just go over there, things will be better. You know, if I just get out of this situation, then it's all going to be better. If I just go to a different church, then I'll, like it, then I'll learn more. And we keep thinking it's a change of, of venue. It's a change of circumstances. It's a change of, of geography that's going to make things better. And the problem is wherever you go, you take you with you. And that's the real problem. And the storm that God brings into his life is so he would stop and come face to face with who he is. He's a runner. God will do that. God will do that. He'll make you come to a point where you got to stop your running and come face to face with who you are because that's what needs to change. And it's terrifying and comforting at the same time. Psalm 139 finishes with this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What looked so bad for Jonah, the wind, the storm, being tossed overboard, what looked so bad was actually what he discovered to be a good thing. Because it was there that he met God. And he discovered God was with him all along. And sometimes we have to get to that point where the storm makes us face up to who we are and where we've been running to just stop and say, okay, God, take a good look at my heart and show me what needs to change. God always responds to the prayers of those who will cry out to him. And he is very often at work in the very circumstances that bring us to that point. And then the third thing, and this is an important one, that God will never short-circuit the discipline process. me ask you a question this morning how long do you think it took jonah to repent we're told he was in the belly of the fish for three days you think it took him three days to repent i think it took no more than three seconds (laughs) the minute he hit the water i think he was repenting because i know i know myself when i was a kid um i don't know how many of you were raised this way but when i was raised we got spankings and I knew if I did something wrong and my dad said, okay, go up to your room. It's going to be spanking. Man, I was repentant right away. I said, oh, no, no. I'm sorry, dad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. I know I was oh, I'm so wrong. Oh, No, 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 no. Please don't spank me. Please don't spank me. Please don't spank me. He said, go up to your room. He spanked me anyway, even though I was repentant. Because he knew what every dad knows. It's a big difference between being sorry for being caught And being sorry for my behavior. And I don't think it took Jonah three days to start his repentance. But I think it took him three days to really repent. (laughs) Because your heavenly father is even better than your earthly father. (laughs) And he won't short circuit that discipline process. See, the storm stopped for all those guys still on the boat. But for Jonah, things had just begun. And for three days, he's in the belly of the fish. And this is, and, and it felt like eternity. Look, look at what he writes here. Verse 5. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down to the earth. And the earth beneath barred me in forever. Sometimes we think, okay, God, I repent. So why is this taking so long to, to get fixed? Because God won't short-circuit the discipline process. Sometimes it's that length of time between the beginning of our repentance and the end of the difficulty that we really have to come to grips with what it is we've really done. So often I talk with parents who are always rescuing their kids and not letting them suffer the consequences of their bad behavior. You're not doing your kids a favor when you do that. When you're always intervening, when you're always protecting, when you're always rescuing and never giving them the chance to realize that their behavior has consequences, you are doing them no favors. And your heavenly father knows that. And so sometimes he will let that process work out because he won't short-circuit it. And that's what happens for John God will sometimes bring us to that point of breaking and he does it to accomplish a breakthrough in our lives. And sometimes we just need to be broken so that God can break through that hardness of our own will. Hebrews 12:11 writer put it this way, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You see, it may not feel like it, but discipline is also a part of God's grace because he's far more interested in your character than your comfort. And the last thing and, and that Jonah discovered, and, and I'd say this with great appreciation to Andy Stanley because I just love the way that he put it. He put it this way. God's discipline is never to pay us back, but to win us back. And that's the thing you got to understand about God's discipline. And I just love the way that he put that. See, through all of this, Jonah comes to the point in all of this that he makes this incredible discovery. And it's really the discovery that every one of us needs to make. He says, Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. See, the hero of this story is not Jonah, the hero of the story is God. The hero of this story is God who is rich in mercy and grace. And what Jonah has to discover is that all of these other trails that he has taken with his life, all of this disobedience, all of this, I think I know better, God, what he comes to discover is all of those things that I have pursued, all of those things that I have tried to avoid, what I've really been avoiding in all of that running is the grace of God. And what Jonah discovers is he's really no better than the Ninevites. Ninevites have their gods. Ninevites have their way of doing things. The Ninevites are the ones who are shaking their fists at God, and yet God in his mercy wants to send Jonah to rescue them. And what Jonah discovers is I'm no better than they are because I've got my own little gods. I've been doing things my own way. I've been choosing a life that more, is more comfortable for me that is more fitting with what I want to get out, not what, what God has for my life. And he gets to the point where he makes this incredible discovery that when you do that, you turn your back on. You forfeit the grace that could be yours. That when we're running from God, we think it's because we know what's best. We think that if we give our lives to Christ, if we, if we turn over full authority to God, that somehow he's going to make a mess of our life. We don't believe, we don't really believe And and believe me, I, I struggle with this too There are times I wonder, do I really, really believe That God knows what is best for my life And that he really wants what is best for my life But the story of Jonah is that The answer to that question is yes, he does That even in his pursuit and even in his discipline It's because he wants what is best for your life And he knows what is best for your life And the best thing that you can do with your life is not to run from God, but to run to His grace. And Jonah is a picture of that. And so he comes to this last sentence. But I, with the song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. Hundreds of years later, another man will be called to bring this message of grace to this world, to lost people. And that man, he will also encounter storms. In fact, he will walk on the water through the storm. And he will calm the storm. And he too will spend three days in the grave, not because of his disobedience, but because of his complete obedience. And what Jonah had to discover the hard way is what Christ revealed to us in the most gracious way possible because he took the punishment for our sin. And he paid that price. And Jesus himself put it this way As Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Because of his obedience, we have rescue. Because of Christ's obedience, we have salvation. Because of his obedience and willingness, we have life. And we're going to celebrate that together this morning as we close, sharing together in communion. And those symbols of a broken body and shed blood are the reminders of a gracious, great God and a great and gracious God who always hears the call And always responds to the prayers of those who will cry out to him. Who will always, always treat us with grace. He won't short circuit the discipline process. But he will always, always receive us back. Would you bow your heads with me?